Welcome to another episode of Zero Down, the podcast vertical of the economics department of Miranda House. Hi guys. I was just thinking about how practical economics is. It can be applied to anything and anywhere. For example, I just came across this very well-written article on how some of the economics principles are so pervasive. Indeed, you know what? Economics can be applied even to social institutions like marriage. Are you serious? As an econ student, I've always read and paid attention to economic reasonings and theories, main phenomena like recession, booms, wars, etc. But never did I think that so much of economic theory applies to an institution considered to be so sacred in India. You will be glad to know that there is a special field in economics called economics of marriage, which includes the economic analysis of household formation, breakup, production, and distribution decisions within the household. Now that I think about it in many ways marriage is like any business arrangement think about it there is a huge and prevalent market for marriages essentially two people get a license make an arrangement pool their resources towards a common goal they make a verbal contract that states that both parties are committed to making it work by sealing it with a magic words for richer for poorer in sickness and in health and put in a large initial investment with hopes for great returns over time all right It is an instrument for financial stability wherein people come together and pool their resources to increase the standards of living. But putting it like that definitely takes out the romance and the air of sacredness we attach to marriage. Wait, so does that mean traditional economic theories can help make a marriage successful just like any business? No, no, I think that's taking it too far. Surely a marriage is severely influenced by the emotional state of the individuals and the circumstances they are in. I mean if you think of it like any other economic arrangement we can surely apply principles like game theory loss aversion moral hazard to marriages you never know maybe the success and failures and even falling out in marriages could be analyzed at least partially through these principles i was always intrigued by game theory applied everywhere i'm super curious to know how it works in marriages it makes a lot of sense particularly in a marriage when you are stuck with strategic situations you want what you want regardless of what your partner wants and you'll stick to that position no matter what but your spouse has their wishes too and they have to be taken into consideration as well yeah this was the aspect that i found most interesting an interesting take by paula shusman co-author of it's not you it's the dishes how to minimize conflict and maximize happiness in your relationship suggests three game theory strategies when you find yourself in conflict with your spouse the first strategy is called think ahead consider how your spouse will react to what you plan to do or say how should that reaction guide your behavior at this moment the second strategy is called what was your spouse's past reaction when you did or said what you are about to say or do how did your spouse respond what can you do now that is different in order to produce a different outcome lastly put yourself in your spouse's place what would they do in this circumstance now we know where that famous line comes from in a marriage you must learn to pick your battles and let go of things that cost more than they are worth this stands true for any relationship one tends to compromise more if they are a valued person because to them the opportunity cost of losing the person is more than that of losing the argument 
also talking about the dishes i believe there are benefits from comparative advantage even in marriage let alone in trade if one partner let's say husband has lower opportunity cost than the wife in doing dishes then the best possible allocation of labor resources should be one in which the husband is doing dishes while the wife may do other work like laundry that's a fancy way to phrase the cost benefit analysis if you put it that way everything ranging from spending on date nights and vacations to about putting down the toilet seat has a cost benefit analysis i mean almost every decision made in a marriage like any other economic institution involves thinking at the margin even the concept of affairs is deemed to be a moral hazard the moral hazard theory states that those who feel that there are no consequences or that someone else will bear the cost end up taking unnecessary risk This surely does apply to rising cases of affairs we see in marriages nowadays. In spite of all of this, I still believe that marriage comprises suboptimal decisions because of various behavioral factors that are hard to predict by any economic theory. Social norms, institutions, biases and power relations cannot be discounted easily, especially in a country like ours. In a 2010 paper Daniel Arley of Duke University and his co-authors showed that race played a significant role in the choices people made. Economist Abhijit Banerjee, Esther Duflo and others examined data on people who placed matrimonial ads in Bengali newspapers and found a strong in-caste preference with respect to marriages. Considering how casteism is still so prevalent in India, this is so true. The assumption that people will marry only when their standard of living increases after marriage is unrealistic. What about a woman who marries out of love but finds that her freedom gets seriously restricted after marriage? In fact, women bear the greatest burden of marriage, doing almost everything from office work to household chores because of gender stereotypes. Now that you have stated this, I believe many behavioral economics concepts can be applied to marriage as well. Yes indeed many people underestimate the chances of having divorce in their marriage because of the availability heuristic it is a type of a bias in which heavily reported events carry greater weight in our minds because we hear so much in films and television all the love stories are typically depicted to have a happy ending and divorces are rare so we sometimes take things for granted oh so this is so similar to the endowment effect wherein people value goods more when they possess them people overvalue their marital relationships because the marriage is unique to them but again this will lead to suboptimal decision making even if people are unhappy in their marriage they will continue to struggle through it because of the bias called status quo we like things as they are the famous indian quote of jaisa chal raha hai chalne do when we are in love we tend to find everything that our partner does good and believe that the person is right for me clearly and this is what we call self attribution bias as individuals give greater weight to outcomes that support their original hypothesis so for example if we see any red flag in our partner we tend to ignore it or worst case try to justify it so these biases and examples suggest how traditional economic models ignore the process of decision making in actual life Marriage being such a big affair in India, we actually see how vast the impact is with the certain months of the year being called the shadi season because of the growth in the sectors associated to marriages in those particular months. Now from the macro view point, there is a huge market for marriages all over the world and in India. 
This is why Shadi.com is a profit-making company. The amount of money that is invested in marriage, especially in India, for all the ceremonies and other things, is insane. People don't go for divorce and marriages because they think that the sunk costs are so huge. I believe love overrides all rationality at times, and being with someone gives you the greatest amount of happiness that cannot be explained and calculated by any economic theory. Talking about the market for spouses, the book entitled "Marriage Markets" by June Carbone and Naomi Khan argues that these markets are more segmented by class than in the past. Yes, the reality of marriages today is that growing income inequality has produced a shortage of women at the top end of the income distribution, where top earners are still primarily men, and a shortage of men at the bottom end. Yes, true. Within these segmented markets, sex ratios matter. It is a simple matter of supply and demand. Among the bottom one third, there are a few good men for pe- for women to marry, so they are choosing to go it alone rather than take responsibility for both earning the bulk of the income and handling most of it, if not all of the household chores, while putting up with a lot of other problems such as infidelity, substance abuse, and domestic violence. How is this supply demand issue then reflected in the top end of the spectrum? At the top end, in contrast, men want to marry highly educated professional women, and there aren't quite enough of those to go around. So these women can afford to be much pickier. They can demand that their husbands help with childcare, remain faithful, not drink too much, and in general be a good husband. Just as there is entry into marriage, there is also exit from marriage, and I'm sure the economic theory dictates something for these two. Divorce is one of the most difficult, life-changing decisions, as well as a costly one. If there are children in the marriage, the costs of a divorce are higher, and therefore the probability that a divorce will happen is lower. It is associated with enormous costs, so it is not surprising that wealthy families divorce less often than poorer families. So, why do we observe a pattern that well-educated people divorce less often than people with a lower level of education, contrary to popular opinion? that the more educated people own more assets provides only a partial explanation in addition to that the fact that the people with a higher level of education usually marry at a later age so they have a longer time to choose their partners more carefully also plays a role moreover i think people with a higher level of education suffer less from instability of employment which is another stressor therefore one of the causes of a divorce The economic approach to marriage might not be the most romantic option, but it does provide an alternative framework for managing your relationship. Just keep in mind that our behavior doesn't always work out to be rational, or even to our best interests. Yes, I agree. We tend to live in the moment, resisting change, affected by our physiological and emotional states. We are also not very good at predicting our future behavior, and our thinking is influenced by com- incomplete knowledge, and the context in which we make a decision. But despite all this, if any of the theories like the ones that we talked about now can keep multi-million-dollar corporations afloat, it's certainly worth trying them out to increase the odds of wedded bliss.